Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. All right, guys, welcome back. Welcome back. Excited to have you with us again this week. And we have got a review this week. This one came in from a, I'll nickname him. Uh, he put his real name on it, so I'll nickname him. This is from Cool Cody. So Cool Cody says, I appreciate all that you're doing for us fathers out there. We need a community of godly men to hold us accountable. I've missed the mark, but thought I was doing my best. Listening to you and the guests have shown me that God is calling me to be better for my family. I know you're a busy man, but I would appreciate some prayers for God to continue to lead and guide me. So thank you, Cool Cody. I really appreciate that. And I uh, love the fact that you led with humility and said, I realized I'm missing the mark and I'm going to ask for help. So something guys tend not to ever do. You just jumped right in with your first message to me. And uh, I've been praying for you since your message came in, you, your wife and your family. So thank you for the uh, encouraging message. I really appreciate it. Thanks for refreshing me. And now we will jump in. We've got a fantastic guest today. We've got Dr. Kim Kimberling. He's been a professional counselor for over 40 years. Even better than that, he's been married for over 50 years, has two children, five grandchildren, and just a wealth of knowledge. He's got all kinds of degrees and fantastic ministry he leads called Awesome Marriage. Love the name. Dr. Kim Kimberling, welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Oh, it's so good to be here, Dan. Thank you for inviting me. I love what you guys are doing. And just in that uh, letter that, that, that you just read, that review, I mean, what a, what a great position God's got that man in to just become everything God created him to be. And that's what I know your goal is and our goal with Awesome Marriage is to help people. If we're the people God created us to be, we're going to be good dads. We're going to be good husbands. All those things fall into place so much easier when we use God as our guide. So I love what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So I've got a funny first question for you. Okay. I was with a group of guys today. We do a male leadership program and we work out and somebody says, Hey, what are you doing later today? And I said, well, that's really, really cool. I'm getting to interview a professional, uh, you know, guy, he has, he runs a group called awesome marriage and his name's Dr. Kim Kimberling. He, oh my gosh, that sounds fantastic. Well, I, I've got a question for him. I said, yeah, what do you got? He says, ask him, how do we keep our wives happy? <laughs> That's such a good question. Probably one every husband asks at one time or other in their marriage. Because I think what I would really seriously say to that, I think, is consistently be kind to our spouse, show empathy with them. So many times I think our our spouse says something or does something, and we think that makes no sense at all. But it does to her. And so if we take time to kind of put yourself in her shoes or ask some questions there and just be intentional. You know, uh, one of the things we did also in marriage, we have a one thing email that goes out Monday through Friday. And it's just one simple thing you could do for your marriage every day. And we get comments from women. We've had so many comments from men though, that say, I want to do something. I don't know what to do. So we try to put some tools out there to help them. But I, but I think just over a course of a marriage, I would say, our marriage is best when I am empathetic with her, when I'm kind to her, when I listen to her well, and when I value her. 
just that she really is a gift that God gave me. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. And so if we treat her like that, I think the other things just will fall into place. I, I think we think women are real complicated. And I guess in a lot of ways, they probably are. I know I'm, none of us as guys ever seem to get the sex formula down. You know, it works one time and we're writing down every, every little thing we did. And next time, none of it works. And so our lives are a little complicated, but I think that's what God created them. And it makes us, gives us some more challenges. But basically they are a gift and someone that if we shall honor them in the way God wants us to, most of the wives I see are all in with their husbands. They are all in. And they just want us to lead, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Just in, in, in a, as a servant, I was talking to a guy last week in counseling and he's and like a lot of us, I think, do he's a leader in the business world. He is very successful in what he does. And so he tries to use those principles with his wife and family and they just don't work because it's a different relationship. And so when we lead like Jesus and we lead like a servant and we show humility, that totally changes things. I mean, I, th I think sometimes as guys, we're going to say, if we act humble, we're going to have to send our man card to whoever processes those, you know, <laughs> but I think when you look at your wife and they see you humble, it's like, oh, wow, that warms their heart and it draws us to you. So it's, I think it's a position that we need God's help to get to for sure. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So, so one guy says, well, you could open up with that question. Then like, that would be the only question you need to ask. We could talk about that for a <laughs> so, long time. Goodbye. <laughs> no, I the, think the other guy says, well, no, you can go the other direction. Like, no. You just can't make that happen in the story <laughs> podcast over. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I think that that's for some guys kind of get at times. It's like, I can't figure it out. And so I give up. And so the guys that are listening that maybe are on that close to that, don't give up just, and you know, one great thing. And sometimes I think we're scared as husbands do that. Ask her, how can I love you better? What can I do? That's going to make you feel love. And my guess is she's going to have an answer. And then your job then just, follow that through. And I don't think it's going to be like, you've got to buy her a vacation home in Bermuda, or you've got to buy her the most expensive car stuff. I think it's going to have to do with something relationally and something with God's help that you can do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and a yeah. different way of asking that question is maybe in the past. Hey, remember in the past when you were really, really happy and really, really felt loved, That's was there great. something that you can remember that I did that made you feel loved? A lot of people talk about Gary Chapman and Oh, yeah. I was reviewing some stuff yesterday and I was thinking about gifts, buy them gifts, buy them gifts, buy them gifts. And somebody mentioned that a gift had to be of value. It had to be monetary. And I thought to myself, heck no, I think I like gifts, but I like gifts that are actually emotional ones. Ones yeah. where somebody took some thought and wrote something. And today, as I walked into my office, there was a couple of cards sitting on my desk and they were, you know, heartfelt thank yous for something. And one of them actually was speaking a little bit of life into me. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. I like how cool to be surrounded by people that encourage and thank and appreciate you for specific yes. things. And so when you mentioned about your wife being a gift from God and treat her that way, like, oh, that's it. Like if we can speak life into our wives and appreciate our wives and just know that she's a gift from God and treat her that way, I do think that that really, really helps out the marriage relationship immeasurably. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you made remind me of a guy that had been getting freedom for a long time. And this is probably 10, 12 years ago that he told me this. And I, I said, you guys seem to be doing really well. And he said, well, I looked and I th looked at the chores she does in the house. She's a great housekeeper. And I asked her, what's the thing you hate doing the most? And she said, I hate to clean the toilets. I started cleaning the toilets. He said, our marriage has been so much better 
because I cleaned the toilets. Well, I think it just showed that he cared. He listened and he didn't like clean toilets either. Wasn't like he was on, oh boy, I get to do something I really like. No, but it showed how much he cared and it, it just connected with her. That was a gift to her. That was a gift because that took a chore that she dreaded, didn't like out of, out of the things she had to do every week. And so sometimes I think we do, we can complicate it or think, well, I didn't spend, I only spent $10 on that. I probably should have spent 50 or something like that. But no, it's really what comes from your heart. And it could be a gift. It could be something, you know, she's been wanting for a long time. And so you scrimp and save and figure out how to get it for, and then surprise her with it. But it doesn't have to be something that involves money. No, no. And I like that. I love that. Uh, what's a chore that you do that you absolutely no. can't stand doing? Now you got to, when you ask it, you got to be ready to do whatever she says. <laughs> so don't ask it if you're just going to let it hang there because then you're going to go backwards and that's not good. No, no, that's not good. And it's funny. You mentioned that my wife actually hires out cleaning the bathrooms. Yeah. See, I don't think that a lot of women probably, they just see that as part of one of the things if they are stay at home mom or they don't have help and they kind of feel that's something I, I want to or need to do. And so, yeah. One day she came up with the idea and she said, this is what's going to happen. I said, really, what is it about? She says, I can't stand that chore. I said, okay. And, and she goes, well, that seems like a way to solve it. Okay. <laughs> End yeah. of discussion. And, and that's where his husbands would go. Okay. Yeah. 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 And she followed through and brings her so much joy to know that every other Monday, all the bathrooms in the house are clean and she doesn't have to think about it. Isn't that great? Yeah. And I see how happy she is. I'm like, why was I probably <laughs> going to impede that? Why was I going to get in the way of that? They, we can't afford that. We can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I had a family one time and they had four kids and her quote hell each day was five to seven before he got home to get into a seven and the kids were, she's trying to fix dinner. She's trying to get things done. Kids are all over the place. And he came up with the idea. Why don't we see if we can hire a nanny to come in between four and seven when I get home every day? It, he said it was the, I can't remember what it cost him. He said it was the best money I ever spent. I came home. My wife is relaxing. The nanny's got dinner started. Oh. She's got the kids going. And my wife is I've got my wife back at night now and I didn't have her back. I didn't have her at night for a long time. And so it is sometimes those simple things that can make a huge difference. And he would say, and they weren't wealthy by any means. He said, it was probably the best money that we spent during those years when our kids were those ages. Wow. That is mind blowing. I can't imagine having coming home and having yeah. somebody else take care of all those things. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, when you got four kids and I think all of them were under, seven, six or seven. I mean, they were young. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, somebody's hanging on somebody all the time. And there probably wasn't a second of the day she didn't hear mama from somebody. And, you know, and so just to have that break rejuvenated her and made her much more pleasant. He said at dinner, and then we put the kids together and we, we have a nice evening. We may just sit there and watch something together or we may talk, but the stress that we had before is gone. So I love that idea. And I love that he came up with it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That is, that is a really out of the box one. I haven't heard that one before. Yeah. And she wasn't going to throw water on that. I'll tell you, she was all, <laughs> she was all in on that deal. Yeah. I, I've only got two children and they're both nine and eight right now, oh, but I often see the guys with four and five and six kids. And I think to myself, how in the heck, you I know. know, especially when they're in the younger ages, how in the heck do they put it together and, and show up wherever they show up with a happy face? It is amazing. Yes. Yes. On the other hand, I wouldn't have less kids. I, I love, love no. both of them so much. Exactly. Exactly. They're all blessing. And, and I think we realize that 
I remember when, after, when our daughter was getting ready to be born and I thought, can I love her as much as I love my son? And the answer is yes, you do. And I think it showed me, I think what helped me, our pastor did something one time and he said, he was talking about, you know, when your kids come to you, you always pick them up. You always love them. He said, God looks at us. He loves each one of us the same. He said, he's going to give you the ability to love each one of your kids the same, whether you have one or 10 or however many you have, you know, he will. And it's, it's uh, kids are such a blessing. And then you're not, you're years away, but grandkids are just another step up. They're special. And I think it's because we get a little older, a little more mature. We don't feel like we feel responsible to pour into them, but not at the level you do as a parent. You know, I'm not having to provide day to day for them. I'm not having to do the things that their parents have to do. I get to love on them and play with them and go to their games and cheer them on and encourage them and all those kind of things. You mentioned God giving us the ability to love each of our children. So we actually have a question that came in from a listener and he says, how do I spread my attention to all of my children? I've got two married daughters with kids, three teenagers and a 12 year old, and they all like different activities. How do I pay attention to each of them individually? Yeah, that is such a good question. And I think that's one of those with him. He, I could see him being, I'm overwhelmed. I think a couple of things. One, I think whenever, whoever's in front of you, be very intentional with them at that point. Make sure you're really present with that person. If, if the, one of the teenagers comes in and you're sitting there doing something on your phone, put your phone down and take advantage of that, even if it's just a couple of minutes so that you're those people in your life know when they are in front of you, that they have your undivided attention, because I think it's really easy for us to keep looking at our phone when we answer a question or to try to act like we're too busy, put our ear pods in. And so the kids come in the room, we act like they're not there. Take advantage of those point touch points is what we call them that, that happen just naturally. If you're in the morning, if, if one of your kids is eating breakfast at the counter and nobody else is in there, take two minutes and sit down and say, how you doing this morning? You know, what's going on today at school? Anything you're looking forward to, you know, uh, anything I can pray for you about, things like that. And that brings up another thing. I think praying for each one of them and letting and asking them, what can I be praying for, for you is a great way to connect. And, and I think you see the fruit of that. You'll see God answer prayers. I think God just shows up in those ways. You tell your 12 year old that you are praying for them because they told you to pray for something and then God shows up. I mean, it's, it's just a great faith building thing. And I think God's very faithful in those areas. And then I, th- I think trying to find one-on-one time with each, uh, he's got, he's got a lot there. And so it may be, he only gets that one-on-one time, maybe a couple times a year with each one of them. But if you're doing the other things, taking advantage of those two to five to 10 minute times. I think that leads into the time that you do say, hey, I, I'm going to take one teenager a time a weekend this year, and we're going to go somewhere together. We're looking at them pick, and it's going to be dad and my teenager that time. It makes those more special because you've laid the groundwork. You've already connected. You're not going into a weekend with your teenager, and you got to figure out who each other are. You've already kind of laid some of that groundwork, which makes those weekends or time you really do intentionally take a larger period of time, much more productive and much more relationship building than if you didn't do those things. So those are kind of my thoughts. Yeah, that's a good, that's, those are great thoughts. I've got a friend, you mentioned a couple of times a year with the one-on-one time and taking chunks of time. Uh, I got a really good friend who is very scheduled in his business life, but then his outside of business, he also schedules that very intentionally as well. So he's got a rotation schedule for when he does what with his kids not uh, 
not always every day does he have that scheduled, but he certainly has Saturday scheduled. He certainly has out of town trips with his kids scheduled. And I'm like, just blown away by his intentionality with and he's got a lot of kids. Well, and I think, I think the scheduling thing, sometimes I think we resist scheduling family, but I think sometimes we almost have to, we've got to know that that time is carved out and designated for a bit, spend time with whoever family it is, because if we don't, I think another week passed and we haven't done anything. I think we have to be pretty intentional about that and kind of build that in. And, you know, if you can find regular times and you know, the, the family knows you're just kind of rotating different ones in there, they're going to look forward to that. They're going to know that you made that important. So there's a lot of good ways to do that. And I think you can't forget your spouse. I mean, she's, they've got to see you making her first. And if that's just the way you treat her or, you know, one of the things I did that I think I wouldn't even think about, but when the kids were little and, you know, I'd come in the back door and there'd be a kid on each leg and dogs barking, but I would always go and find Nancy and give her a kiss and say, how was yeah. your day? And the, I think that was a model for our kids that, okay, we're here and he's going to spend time with us, but his first choice is to go make sure mom's okay. And just those subtle things like that that, that kind of help build that and build with your spouse. And then I think you've got to have dates with your spouse. I, I think that's got to be a priority. And some people have told me, oh, we can't leave our kids at home or blah, blah, blah. And I said, you're modeling marriage for them. They need, you want them to date when they're married? Well, yeah. Okay. You got to model that for them. And if you don't, they may not either. And what do our kids love? They love hanging out with other kids. So oh, yeah. If we use that excuse of the babysitter costs too much money, I can't find a babysitter. Well, we can find other parents that have kids that our kids like. Yep. Hey, you want to go hang out at Billy's Friday night? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's a great point you brought up because I think we did that with some friends that we really loved and cherished and trusted very much with our kids and this with us. They trusted us with their kids. Yeah. And you get another couple that's doing that. Well, and you know, and I think when, when we would have, another couple or two's kids. And so we've got six kids in the house instead of two. We made it fun. It wasn't like this was a burden. You know, we, whatever age they were, we either did pizza in a movie or we did something. If it was, it was summer and we could stay out later or we'd do stuff and just make fun out of that. And then the, your turn comes and it's just the two of you for, for an evening. So all of those things are, it's just taking the time to book those things because I think a lot of times we think of some good ideas and we just don't follow through with them. Yeah, absolutely. We had some friends over. They've got daughters, my, my daughter's age. And it was a Friday night. We did, did a little fire pit. The girls were down in the basement. We were out on the deck. And after the evening was over, mentioned about, you know, what a nice date night it was. And my wife said, that wasn't a date night. And I said, well, what did we do? She said, well, we had the kids. And where were they? Well, they were in the basement for like two or three hours. And what, what were we doing? We were with another couple that we really like in front of a fire, having good yeah. conversation. And I'm like, sounds like a date night to me. And she's like, huh, you tricked me. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good trick though. You know, that, yeah, that is good. And I think that's a great point because I think we can be real creative. We, our team at Austin Marys that does a lot of our resources has designed a lot of date designs and their date nights at home. And they really got popular during the lockdown period that we were all in and have continued to be. And I think people see you can have a really good date night at home and it's okay to put your kids to bed an hour earlier. There's that's not going to scar them for life. If you say tonight, you're going to bed at eight o'clock because dad and I are having a date night. I've got a friend and he celebrates new year's at three o'clock in the afternoon with his little kid. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
<laughs> puts him to bed. <laughs> it just it says, I don't feel like staying up that late. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> so we have our own little party and we pretend that, you know, that's it's, that's the end of the new, end of the year. And we, we have a big to do as my child has, doesn't know the better. And I don't have to stay up till midnight. <laughs> that's great. That's great. So, yeah. So, yeah. Why? Why not? So we were in uh, Seven Secrets to an Awesome Marriage inside of our uh, our devotional group that we run inside Journey of a Christian Dad. And you had mentioned things on the calendar, time for your family on the calendar. And that was one of the things that was in that devotional was nice little group that you're with. And you said, all right, guys, you know, what are your priorities? And everybody's like, I got this one. It's God family business. I know the answer to this one. I'm writing that down as my answer. And, and that's what I believe it is. And that's, I believe how I run my life. And then the person leading the group says, all right, grab your phones and your calendars. Where's that time scheduled yeah. for God first? Uh, well, what about the, the family? Uh, I should got a lot of work stuff in here. All that stuff's scheduled and planned. Yep. And they kind of got a lot of guys got their eyes opened. It sounded like, oh, wait, you could have heard a pin drop in that room. And I think all of us were thinking, oh my gosh, yeah, those are what I say, my priorities, but they've got to re be reflected in, in how we live our lives day to day, every day. And so I, I yeah, it, it hit me hard. I think it was really impactful. And it was, my pastor said something a couple of years ago and he was talking about just about how we use our time and talking really to all of us really. But I think it hit me as a man. And he said, you know, as a pastor, I do a lot of funerals. I do a lot of guys. I hear they're with them in their last days. I've never had anybody tell me that they wish they'd spent more time at work, that they wish they had made more money, that they wish that they had climbed the corporate ladder a little faster. It's always, I wish I'd spent more time with my wife. I wish I'd spent more time with my kids. And I thought that's really what it comes down to. And we get caught up in, in these other things and there's nothing wrong with having a great job. There's nothing wrong with being successful, but it's gotta be in balance. I've, mm -hmm. Nancy's got to know that even when I'm in the counseling room all day with counts with counseling people, that if she needs me, she can get to me and we have a code so she can do that. And so, and the kids the same way, if they know it, and, or if they know I'm counseling, they know that it's six o'clock and some days my phone's ringing off the wall at six o'clock because they've all waited to say something <laughs> to me. And so, but they need to know that they're a priority. And I think a lot of times we, we just don't do a really good job of that sometimes. And I'm, as guilty as anybody else. I've learned a lot of how important that is. I like that word priority. I heard in the past important. And for some reason, important and priority have just a very different spot. Like priority to me sounds like number one. Yes. Important absolutely. sounds like here's 10 things. Right. You can have probably 10 things that are important, but they can't all be priorities. I guess yes. they could, but you'd, you'd go crazy. Okay. <laughs> There's no way you could do it. Yeah. Right, right. So yeah, when I started putting my wife as the priority, God first, wife second, and truly filtering things through that filter, I'm like, this is different than my wife is important. So good. And one of the things that we do in counseling, and I do with a couple a lot of times, is I use the one to 10 rating a lot. I'll say, okay, let's write. Okay, these are the things. You got your wife. Where is she? Is she, she tells me that she feels like she is a three. No, she's a 10. I say, okay, between three and 10, what can you do this week to make her feel closer to that 10? You may not hit a 10 this week, but move that direction and see what it is. And sometimes just that, that mental visual helps us say, you know, okay, she doesn't, I think, because I think a lot of times as guys, we think we're hitting out of the park when we're not. 
And a lot of times that comes down to communication because our wives want more relational communication. And so you've told them the bullet points of your day and stuff like that. And you're sitting there feeling pretty good about yourself, but you didn't talk about what, how you thought about that or something that she, that she can really grab onto or something, something like that. And so I think it's taking the time okay, if she's a priority, how do I really make her feel that way? And it's going to be her definition more than it is yours. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. definitely her definition. And that's, that's, yeah. I think something where guys goof it up. We do. We do. Her definition should be watching the ball game with me, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and it might be, I, I, I have a wife that loves uh, NBA basketball and loves going to games and stuff, but so that's great. But there's other things that, no, she's not, I, I would put as I'd really like to do this, but it's not going to be the best thing for her. She's not going to want to do it as much. I'm sure you've heard the, the old joke about, hey, honey, how come you don't tell me that you love me? Like, what do you mean? Like, I told you when we got married that I, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> like, and if I change my mind, I will let you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work very well, does it? No, but on a guy's side yep. logical that made sense i made the commitment exactly why do i need to tell you that every day you know i think it was i think was it james dobson that first came up with the the love tank idea of of you know our wife has a love tank and you got to fill it up every day and guess what it runs empty every day and you got to fill day. it up again that was that hit me so well the first time i heard that i thought that makes so much sense because i think as guys we would love to knock it out of the park today and then coast for a week or so and then we'll knock it out of the park again and we don't have to knock it out of the park every day but we've got to be intentional every day with our wife because yeah. that love tank goes hers there's a hole in the bottom of their love tank i guess because it goes out pretty quickly <laughs> Yeah. And guys go, okay. All right. So I do tell her I love her every day. Okay. Yeah. And, and tell her, look her in the eyes. Don't do it as you're walking out the door thinking, oh gosh, what did I forget? Oh yeah. I love you. You know? And so you slam the door and you're gone. I mean, just look at, hold her hand, look in her eyes and say, I love you. And it may be a little awkward at first, but she's going to love it. She may think you've gone crazy for a little, for a few days, but if you're consistent with it, she'll think he may really mean this. I mean, she yeah. probably knows you love her you know, we quit pursuing our wives. And I talk about that probably more than I used to, because I think there's so many more distractions that we have in our, in our lives now. And so we don't take the time to pursue our wives. And it, again, it's not rocket science. It's just being kind. It's saying nice things to them. It's doing a, a, a Bible reading plan with them, praying for two minutes with them. Maybe before you leave for work every day, you just say, Hey, let's just pray for each other's day. How can I pray for you? And if you don't feel comfortable praying out loud, you can pray silently or saying, I will pray. As soon as I get in the car, I'm going to pray for that for you. Just some way that we connect with them every day. Can you give us some examples or a story or just expand on that a little bit more? Cause some guys just said, Whoa, whoa what, what do you say? Like that's on too much. Part that's or... too much. Yeah. <laughs> I think, and let me go back. This is why I'm so adamant about couples praying together. Nancy and I never did pray together until our wedding night. And she, and we may have said grace at meals and stuff like that, but not really, really prayed. And so, so we're in our hotel room and she's just come out of the bathroom. She's got this beautiful nightgown on. I'm not thinking about prayer other than thanking God for how beautiful she is probably. And she <laughs> says, we need to pray together. And I said, Okay. And well, she had been mentored by a really godly woman in the months before our marriage. And she said, the most important thing you can do is pray together. So that night I said, 
I said, I know the Lord's prayer. And she said, I do too. So we knelt on our wedding night and said the Lord's prayer together. And, and we have prayed 99% of the nights of our marriage. We prayed when we were mad. We prayed when, which is not a lot of fun because you're not, you make sure you're not touching each other when you're praying, you know, you can't be holding hands if you're mad at each other and you're praying. And so, but we would, you know, and so I was very uncomfortable praying out loud. And so we would get to where we'd kind of share, okay, what, what should we be praying about? Or what should we pray for our marriage? And then we'd just hold hands and pray silently. And then we'd say the Lord's prayer. That was a tradition we both grew up in. So we knew that. And so it's not like, you're trying to get where you're doing this great oration with your spouse. No, it is just intentionally saying, and if all you do together is say, God, we have no clue what to do today, but we know you do. So will you help us in that? It doesn't have to be, it's awkward at first. I get that, but it becomes a natural part as you continue to do it. It just becomes something that's like, if you don't do it, you feel like you, you know, your zipper's undone or something, you know, you forgot something that's important that day. And so you continue to do that. And it's, I would just challenge guys to try it. And your wife may, you may have to revive her when she falls over, when you said, we're going to start praying together. But, and we have always done it at bedtime. We've always gone to bed together. I know sometimes that's a challenge for some couples, but that's always been just kind of part of our routine. I do have some couples because their schedules don't. And so what we've done in those instances, if say he stays up later because he, they have different schedules, work schedules and stuff. When she goes to bed, he'll go in with her and they'll have their time together and then he'll go finish the work or the things he's supposed to do. But they take that, that's their cue is bedtime for her. For us, it was bedtime for us. And it's just, you know, the U version has been, I think been such a asset to all of us. And I think so many guys that I worked with for years that said, I do want to read the Bible with my wife. I have no idea. I, I opened it and it landed in Leviticus and they were killing bulls. And I said, they said that didn't work very well. And I said, yeah, probably didn't. And so you version plant, there's so many good plans. We have a bunch of plans for marriage on it. There's plans for just about everything. And it makes it so easy to sit there with your wife and pick a plan and say, let's do this once a day. And it probably takes three to five minutes at the most. And then when you finish that, you can pray. And it's all goes back to what we talked about earlier about being intentional. It's, it's saying, okay, this may not mean like, seem like it's making a difference today or even this week, but I promise you, if you do it consistently for even 90 days, you're going to see a difference. You're definitely going to see a difference in you and in her and in your marriage. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got a guy, uh, he's, he sent a, a message and it was in, in your devotional and it says, I'm in a strange place feeling like my wife and I are the most connected we've ever been physically. We flirt, we have fun. Our love life is the best it's ever been. We're sweet on each other. We laugh together, but we're not connected when it comes to deeper issues. We don't have very deep discussions. I think that's because those deeper areas are where all the wounds are and where we're vulnerable as a couple. So long as we don't touch on those deep issues, we're able to have fun and flirt and be connected everywhere else. I'm honestly scared to try to delve deep because I don't want to sacrifice all the progress we've made in mm. the other areas of our marriage. It's strange. I want the deep connections, but I'm worried that it'll come at the cost of losing what we have. Yeah, that's a good question. So it's basically, there's still that elephant in the living room that's there. I would say, I would encourage them to go to counseling. I, I think having a, a Christian counselor that is trained to help them walk through that, to help them get at the wounds that are going to be healed and make their marriage better. And at the same time, keeping them together 
you know, okay. Then what I always do with a couple is you're a team in this. It's, it's not one of you by yourself or you're not finding you're a team in this. And so if the wound comes up with the husband, then the wife comes alongside him and how can I help you? And how can I help you through this? If it's something between the two of them, they put the problem in front of and attack it together to heal that wound, whatever that's been. Maybe it's been a past infidelity. Maybe it's, you know, what a trust issue or something, but you work on it together. And I think so many times in counseling, a couple comes in and they've been fighting over this problem, wanting the other one to do it their way. And when I can get them to to become a team and address the problem together, it makes all the difference in the world. So I think the the guidance of a counselor could really help them. And if you're looking for a counselor, I would I would uh, ask your pastor to recommend someone, or if you if you have some friends that you know went to marriage counseling and were really happy with their counselor, you know maybe you go to that person. And when you go to counseling it's okay to ask questions. I would rather someone come in and ask questions of me. What do you think about this? How would you handle this? Whatever is on their heart than for them not to ask it. And if it offends the counselor to ask questions, you're probably not with the right court counselor anyway. But make and, sure you find someone you can trust and be comfortable with. And do you still do couple counseling? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. I'm in the counseling center two days a week now. And then also marriage has the other three days. Okay. Very good. I'm like, I know you've got a lot going on, so I didn't know if you. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, I love counseling. I love seeing what God does in people's life. It's rewarding. And it keeps me in touch with things that we need to address in awesome marriage because the people I see are just a microcosm of, of our society in general. And, you know, the problems they're dealing with, most likely there's other people dealing with them. And so then I can go back to our team and say, I am seeing a trend here. This, like some of the things we saw during COVID of people just how do we handle this isolation together? How do we handle this lockdown? I said, we got to develop some stuff. We got to do some things to help couples get through this. And so then I can give the team that we can develop resources or do a podcast and address those issues. So I, I love being in a counseling room. I plan, you know, as long as people want to see me, I'll probably keep doing it. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. well, I'll, I'll give you a recommendation. So if you're listening and looking, reach out to Dr. Kim Kimberling. So Ecclesiastes 412 mm-hmm. says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So when you brought up prayer with your with your wife, I yeah. three strands idea, so powerful. And when you involve God in your marriage and do that actively, it may take courage, may be uncomfortable, but I think that is just so so wise to to push in and be uncomfortable. And when I see couples that are doing it effectively. Like, wow, that is so awesome to, to see whether they're 30 year olds or whether they're 70 year olds. Yeah. Like, that's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And you can see like just joy and how connected they are. Absolutely. You know, and I think it's, we need to stretch ourselves now that you can stretch yourselves too far, but stretching yourself enough to say, I'm going to give this prayer thing a shot and I'm going to ask God to help me do that. And it is uncomfortable. And you can say that, say, God, I am so uncomfortable with this. You're, it's going to have to be your deal if I, if I make this work and give him, a, just give him a chance to show up. And, you know, I think that's all God wants. Just open that door and he will come. He will show you. Have you got any tips? Kids are around the house. You mentioned COVID also, uh, kind of a yeah. pressure cooker situation, a little bit easier now, a little bit more freedoms now where we can go and do things. But at the same time, that pressure cooker situation still there when your kids are, for whatever reason, just getting on each other's nerves and they start whichever parent or maybe both parents they fight with and yell. It's not all the time, but it's occasionally there's, or maybe it is all the time, 
But you yeah. got any, any tips on, especially when your spouse, whether it's the husband or the wife is just getting at it with the kids and the kids just are relentless and wearing them out where they're just physically and mentally exhausted. Yeah. A couple of things. I, I've had couples, families do a reset and, and I talk to the parents first. Okay. What do you want this to look like? What do you, would you like to see change? And then we kind of work through and refine that because if they're expecting their kids never to bug each other or never to, you know, harass each other, that's not going to happen. But you can also put some parameters and say, you got to be respectful when you do it. You can kid your brother and you can do stuff, but we're a family. You don't tear each other down. So, so parents come together and then you bring the kids together and you get them to buy in and, and you ask them, what do you think needs to change? And I'll guarantee you will be surprised sometimes the answers that kids give you. They, they have answers. They probably thought about it, you know, and they probably don't like it any better than you do. You just get in the pattern and mom and dad are yelling. So why shouldn't I yell? If I don't yell, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll never be heard. And so, so I think that reset and then some, and then say, okay, we're going to have a family meeting every week and we're going to, we're going to grade each other. We're going to see how we did this week. And if we feel like, say you do it on a one to 10 scale and everybody gets points and you get them up and you average them and say, it's, if it's an eight or above, we're going to go to your favorite pizza place on Sunday night. If it's not, we're going to talk about what we need to do different and just put some accountability in it. I think a lot of times we, we come up with some great ideas and they just fizzle, you know, I'll talk to parents. Yeah, but we just, it, yeah, we're great for a week. We just didn't follow up. You got to follow up and you got to build that culture into it. One thing that uh, a friend of mine named Greg Gunn, and he has a, a ministry called Family ID. And one of the things that he does with his kids and he recommends, he says, if you can't be friends with your brothers and sisters, you can't have other friends over. We're not going to, you've got to be your best friends. And when they're your best friends, you can bring somebody over, but you're not bringing somebody else in here when you are treating your siblings like that. And for their family, it really worked. It's amazing how it, it kind of shifted things. And one thing he said after, uh, I think he said, or he told me about someone after a period of time, the kids weren't asking to have as many people over because they were really enjoying their siblings in a way that they had. Now, it was something that we didn't have that much trouble because a boy and girl and they're three years apart. I mean, they fussed a little bit, but my son was pretty much watching over his little sister and protecting her and stuff like that, you know, and they both probably have some jealousies at times, but it was never a really big deal. In some families, it's a big deal and it's just chaos. And, um, and it doesn't have to be with seven kids in the house. It can be one kid and it's the same scenario, but having a reset, talk about what you want it to be, everybody buy in and it puts some accountability in. I think it'll make a difference. And, and again, you can go to family counseling if you want. Uh, you know, I've done that with families. We all sit down and we do just kind of what I did, but parents didn't quite feel comfortable with making it work. And then we set two weeks, you come back in and we're going to see how everybody did. So sometimes an extra accountability person outside of, of the family can make, make a difference too. The thing is, if you think it's not good and it's going on and on and on, stop it. Just say, we, you know, that's the whole insanity thing that we talk about in seven secrets is doing the same thing over expecting different results. You're going to have to do something different and taking the initiative. And I think the husband is the leader, not in saying, you know, domineering, but saying, Hey, I want our family to be better. Our family does not represent what I think God wants us to represent. Let's do a reset. Let's start this over. Let's go to this counselor that has become a friend of mine and let's let him kind of guide us or let's start this Sunday night. Just take a step. Let's talk about that leader side. So I think a lot of guys go, okay, that's cool. I'm the leader. I'm the man of the house. I can do what I want. I'm going to 
be a little macho about it. Can, yep. can you, can you help us guide us a little bit there? Yeah. And you know, I guess this is where I always pull the Jesus card because he was the greatest leader that ever lived. And he was a servant leader. He washed his disciples feet. He died for us. He put others first, but he was still strong. I mean, he was a carpenter. The guy had to have some, some biceps, you know, I mean, he, you know, I think sometimes we'd look at him as just this neat guy walking around. I think he was a man. I think he, you know, if he, if he would have been prone to, to get in some fights, I think he would have won most of them, not just using his human power, not his, his godly power. And so I think when we see him be a servant to the people that are around him, and then the other thing, when he confronted people, he did it in love. He knew what need, but he didn't chastise them or, you know, he, he, you know, the woman at the well, he said, yeah, you're, he knew what her life was. And he said, you need, you know, just stop that. There's something better for you. And the woman was getting stoned and said, I don't accuse you. I want you to have a better life. And so that's the role we have to play. And it's hard. And I don't know that we ever, any guy ever gets it. Maybe Billy Graham did. He'd be the only one I think that might have. <laughs> but I think the fact that we just need to continue to strive for that. And it makes a difference when we do. Have you got any tips? So sometimes Okay, I get Jesus. All right, he's he's a bit of perfection there. Yes. How might I move from where I am and understand that a little bit better? Better. Some things. One of the things that works for me is is you know if I think we're struggling with something or I want something to change is just really consistently praying for it about it in my quiet time in the morning, and then at the end of the day, I do kind of an accountability thing with God. I said, God, with your help, I think I really did pretty good today. Or God, I blew it again today. I need a different approach tomorrow. Can you, can you help me do that? And I, th I think we don't involve God in our lives enough to know that he cares enough about that. When I lose my car keys, I pray and they always show up. Okay. That may, people may think that's crazy, but I guarantee you it, it happens. It happens. Yeah. I had a, a set of keys. I've lost for a year, never prayed about it. So one day I pray about it. I sit down on the couch. I never sit down, put my hand to the side, just out of whatever. They're the keys that I couldn't find for a year. I mean, I don't know. I don't think those are coincidences. I think I it's God showing us. I don't think they us, are either. I think it's God saying, if you, if you need your keys, I'll help you find your keys. If you need your marriage to be better, I'll help you have a better marriage. If you're going to be a better dad, I'll help you be a better dad. Whatever it is, just bring it to me. I got lucky. I got chosen to bring this nationally known speaker to lunch after, after he spoke. And we went to this restaurant. It's got this teeny tiny parking lot in front of it. And it's got these other parking lots that are pretty far away. So I knew I was going to park in the teeny tiny parking lot. I didn't even consider the fact that it was going to be full when we got there. <laughs> and all of a sudden I felt all this pressure on me. How am I going to make a spot? And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do it, but God is. Hey God, you got the I spot. really could use a spot up front today right now. Uh, you know, I've got this guy with me and this is my only yeah. job. Like, let's make this happen. And we did one little lap around and sure enough, car backs out, pulls away. Only one. I didn't even see the person walk to the car. I'm like, wow. Thank you, God. Magical. Well, what'd you do? <laughs> what'd you do with that car, God? I love stories like that because I think at, at times we, we just need to realize that God cares about everything and the little things and the big things in our life. And sometimes I think we think, well, that's too petty to bring to him. If we really have a relationship with him and he's really our father, he's going to make those things important to him too. They're important to us like that. Yes. Yeah, yes. So, you know, it's cool. And I think it deepens our relationship with us. And I think those things help me have more confidence in doing some things that are harder because if you showed up there in something that nobody cared about, but me, nobody cared about whether I found my keys in or not, but you did. So you're going to carry about 
me trying to be to do this for Nancy that I haven't been doing very well. So on a different note, some guys out there have wives that may have something going on, uh, ADHD or some yeah. other type uh, depression or any of those type things. Have you got any general or specific advice on how to be a great husband and, and support your wife through that? Yeah, I, th- I think, cause I think that happens a number of times, anxiety, Nancy had panic attacks when we first married back when we were early married, there was so little out about it. So little help. I had no idea what to do. And I didn't handle it very well at first because I never had anxiety before. So I thought, well, just don't think about that or just don't do that, which is the worst thing because she couldn't. She didn't want to do that either. So I see what you wanted to give her the typical guy advice. man up, honey. (laughs) Exactly. What's wrong with you? You know, and so what I had to learn is I had to accept where she was, which was a huge deal. And then, okay, how can I help you? Well, you telling me that I shouldn't be doing that is not helping at all. I would much rather you just sit there and put your arm around me and and ask me to deep breathe or or something that's going to help walk through it with me. I think you want to make sure that, that, that everything has been done medically that needs to be done. So go to a doctor appointment with her. If she needs medication, encourage, if the doctor thinks that's good, don't walk out of there and say, Oh, that's stupid. Nobody needs medication. No, support her in that and, and getting better. And just, and just don't look at her, we all have issues and some of the mental health issues are harder to deal with. But, you know, if, if, if I had a heart problem, Nancy's going to be there every day. She's going to make sure my diet's good. She's going to make sure I'm taking the medicine I'm supposed to take every day. Well, I think it's mental health. We look at different, it really isn't. It's, it's finding out what, what she needs, what works for her, what calms her down when that anxiety comes, what stimulates her ADD. And so those kind of things, or does the medication, is it just making sure she takes it every day that she asks you to help remind her because it makes a difference when she takes it. Just come alongside your spouse in that. You can't fix it, but you can be there for her and you can walk through it with her. Yeah. Also about taking care of ourselves versus taking care of our spouse. Got to take care of yourself because if we don't take care of ourselves, you know, when Jesus said, love your neighbors yourself, I think he told us something there. I can't take care of my neighbor or my grandkids or my wife. If I'm not taking care of myself, I'm not going to be equipped to do that. I'm not going to have the strength or stamina or any of those things to do that. And so I've got to take care of, of myself first. We hear that verse as a kid. And as a kid, we've got all the energy we want. Everything yeah. seems to take care of itself. And I, as a kid, I didn't hear the ending to that verse. And as an adult, I'm like, wow, that is such a big, big part of that verse that I just didn't understand as a kid or didn't even hear as a kid. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's hard for us to do that at times. I mean, I think as guys, we kind of feel we can, we're invincible. Sometimes I don't think we really know how to take care of ourselves. For me, it's making sure I've got time with God and make sure it's time that I've just got just doing something I enjoy or just, you know, some things that just really relax me and help me calm down and those kind of things. And just help me put in a position where I'm better able to walk alongside Nancy or my kids or grandkids or or whoever's in front of me at that point. So scheduled prayer, Bible study, whatever, what, what, what does that look like in your, if we're to look at your calendar or just look at real life, like what was yesterday? Like what's a typical Monday? Yeah. I always, you know, my, for years, I've, I get up, I have a quiet time and I work out and I've done that for 
ever. Uh, to me, it's the best. I was always, you know, when kids were home, it was the quiet time of the day when I didn't have to have, there weren't distractions and I could really spend time with God. Exercise has always been important to me. I don't do good with exercise and other times a day, I've got to still be a little bit half asleep to get out and actually run or work out or what I'm going to do. And so that gets my life off to a good start that day. It helps me kind of get focused in the right direction. Um, and then from there, um, I try to involve God in my day. When I'm in the counseling center, I pray, I pray with my clients, but I'll still pray before they come in and say, God, help me to be really present with them today. Uh, what God has taught me is that he wants to be a part of all my day. And so I've gotten so much better about just whatever it is. If I'm going into electronic store, the prayer probably should be, God, help me not to buy anything on this trip. You know? <laughs> right. Let me just look and not touch. Uh, but, but just asking his help in that, you know, you know, th sometimes God will lay one of my grandkids on my heart. I'll be thinking, what are they doing right now? So just to pray there, Nancy and I got really good at this, doing this together, probably when our kids were teenagers, not because they were bad teens, they were really good, but being teenagers is tough. And yeah. you know, they were, their temptations, things in front of them. And we'd be talking about, well, how do we handle this? Do we let them go to this? Do we let them go to that? That kind of thing. And one of us would say, well, we pray about it. And we pray and it was like, the answer became clear. No, they don't need to go to this. They're going to be mad. They're going to think you're the worst parents in the world, but say no this time. And the next time it may be, say yes, this is okay. You know, it just involves God in the middle of it. So I think the more that we get to going to him all the time, where he becomes part of our life and it, it's work, it, it takes time. But I think you begin to see, to me, it took a lot of pressure off because he's, he's not going to make a mistake. And I am, he's not going to make a bad decision. And I am, if I go, if we go to him in prayer and he guides us a certain way, chances are, it's going to work out really well. Mm, that's so good. And I love how you takes it off you. That pressure comes off you. Yeah. Mike Matheny, the baseball player and coach, he thought he was going to get cut one day. And the manager of the team, he was thinking he was going to get cut for was, started getting on him about Bible study. And he says, you Christians, I don't care for you guys. You guys choke under pressure, blah, blah, blah. And Mike got angry, like violently angry. Uh -huh. And he looks up and he's like, God, give me the words. Cause right now I just want to punch this guy in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. And he comes out and he says, if that ever happens, if you see my guys choking under pressure, that's not what us Christians do. And that's not what we do in the Bible study. And he kind of let them have it, but he let them have it in a controlled way. And the manager after that looked at him and he stops and he pauses and he says, all right, I want you to do that Bible study in the clubhouse now. <laughs> wow. So good. Yes. Yes. So yeah, our, our God can really take all that pressure off us. And it was great to hear that, a you know, bigger time athlete, when he gets into the box and the pressure situation says, Hey God, take this off me and just let me Absolutely. perform at my best and give you the glory. Um, so it's, it's neat hearing guys allowing that pressure to fall off your shoulders. I know I've had Absolutely. many situations where I've been in that same spot and hearing you say it, it's like, yep, that one's a key for me as well. Well, and I think letting uh, other people see us depend on God, uh, Sam Macho, I don't know if you Sam is, he's a football player. He's done some ESPN stuff. Now I played at Texas and played in the Which pros. Which one? Sam Macho. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, his book came out, and it was basically about when he became transparent enough and he, he wept in the locker room. And mm. 
he said, I'm, I'm sitting there crying and these 250, 300 pound guys around me, the toughest guys in the world and said, they surrounded me and loved me. And they, and he, and his whole point is as guys, we don't sometimes do that and let ourselves be vulnerable with other guys and let them walk through some of those hard things with us. And, um, and the, I think those guys are there. It, we just need to, I think we need some men like that in our lives to help us through the things we're talking about today or husband, wife, and relationship with God. And I think there's also times in our lives that we need another guy that can, that can be there when things are rough or can get in our face. If we need somebody to get in our face with, I want somebody that's going to love me enough to say, you, you've been meeting uh, that girl down the hall. You're, you seem like you're at the coffee bar when she's there every day now. I don't think that's a good idea. I think you need to go to the coffee bar or bring your own coffee at a different time. That loves me enough to say that and say, your marriage is more important to you. And it's certainly more important to me than to see you do something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Guys have eyes only for your wife. It pays dividends. Absolutely. One of the best prayers and and the God laid on me years ago. And it was, it was the prayer to have my sexual desire to be only for my wife. And I've prayed that consistently and God's been very faithful in that because we live in a culture where there's a lot of distractions in that area. (laughs) You don't say, uh, you know, and it's, yeah, I'm more human. I mean, you know, my pastor said one time, he he said, I was a man way before I was a pastor. He said, (laughs) and it it was, it was actually during the summer and some of the women were not wearing a lot of well, they were in clothes, but you know how in yeah. the summer get a little lax and stuff. He said, you guys are on the front row. He said, I said, if you're going to sit on the front row, please don't dress like that. I was a man long before I was a pastor. And I thought, yeah, that's honesty. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So what's a great way for the audience to connect with you, with your material? And um, I know you've got some downloads that, that you offer to the community. We do awesomemarriage.com. We, um, our great web guru has just redone it. It's so user-friendly, but it has all our resources on it. It shows how to sign up for our one thing. We have the one thing email that comes out once a week, or you can just go to one thing.email and sign up. We have a marriage uh, challenge that comes out for couples that somebody doesn't want to do something every day that comes out once a week. And it's just a, like five bullet points to kind of focus you on your marriage. We have podcasts, Awesome Married Podcast that comes out every week. It's my, me and Lindsay Few, who's our co-host, and Christina Dodson. And then we have uh, a special guest each month on that. And so that's out there. But everything we have, we have a lot of resources. Our YouTube channel has thousands, literally, of videos on it on all kinds of subjects that we've created over the time. So we have... Um, We have some, uh, we have a marriage retreat that's going on now that's online that you can sign up the second one we've done. It's been, I I was wondering, because the first time we did it was in COVID. And so people were home and thought, well, they don't have anything else to do. So they'll work on the marriage. Uh, We had the same amount of people signed up this time as we did last time. So I think people see the value. And I think there's something, I think one of the good things I think that COVID did was it helped people get familiar with Zoom. Yes. You know, I can, when it first came, nobody knew what Zoom was. I mean, I had friends, we have used it in Austin Marriage for a long time. And people say, what is this Zoom thing? You know, now everybody knows that they're comfortable with, they're comfortable with, with teaching and those kind of things online. And so to have a retreat that you can do on marriage and you can do it in your home or you can do a weekend getaway or you can do it one night a week or whatever, to have the flexibility uh, is huge. And so that's been very successful. We have a, a fair recovery course that is really good. We have a number of 
speakers in it, some that have been through it, uh, some that are just great in helping people come out of that. So we'll always have, we're building up our library of courses, we have a prep for marriage of things like that, that people can access and, and learn and grow through. So we're always trying to meet people where they are. We'll have a new series that comes out in January called Marriage 911. It's 15 parts of the really tough things in marriage for the couples that are just kind of on the brink. Here's some, here's some things that can help you get your marriage on track. And so we're going to continue to develop courses, but everything is on the website, awesomemarriage.com. And you can always email me at drkim at awesomemarriage.com. Uh, I answer every email. Uh, we have a team that prays for people that reaches out to people. I did a interview with the San Antonio Marriage Initiative recently. And they, the lady who did it, had done some research on it, said, she's, I've never seen a ministry that has the follow-up that you guys do. And that's really important to us. If you go through one of our courses, you're going to get follow-ups for us. We're going to ask you how you're doing. We're going to, we're going to send you some more resources to help you grow past what you signed up for. So you can continue on that journey. So I love that. comes the place. Yeah. So have you got any, uh, Parting advice and also, I always ask the guests for a challenge. So if you've got something to challenge guys to do from week to week, so something they can accomplish sure. within seven days, whether it's something small or even something big. Uh, so any parting advice and, and a final challenge for us? And we've talked about a lot. And so I don't want anybody to walk away and feel like I just got hit with a fire hose. I want you to, to, to just maybe just pray or say, what is one thing that I got out of that that I think I can do? starting today. Maybe it's cleaning the toilets. Maybe it's, okay, I'm going to try this prayer thing with my wife. Maybe it's just that you've been talking pretty rough to her and you just, I'm going to be kind for a while. And so I think I would take that one thing that you come up with and then just pray as God, God help me to implement this in my life, to do this consistently every day this week and then see what happens. That's great. And a lot of your material is bite-sized just like that. Yeah, it's just, you know, if we have one success, then we're going to think, ah, especially as guys, we like to conquer things. So I got that down. I'm cleaning the toilets. I'm saying nice words. I may even take her on a date next week. You know, we just kind of build on it. <laughs> yeah. That is so true. That is so true. One success leads to another success. And well, I'll, I'll keep trying. Yeah, I'll keep trying. Yeah. I'll, I'll go for the next thing. thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, that's fantastic. Is that is that the challenge you want to throw out there? Yeah, that let's do that. Let's let's challenge to pick one thing that you feel that you see is important and ask God's help and do it consistently for a week and see what God does in your marriage. Don't tell you and that thing, don't tell your spouse you're doing it. Let her kind of wonder what's going on. Because you're gonna be doing something you probably haven't done or doing something different than you were doing. Don't say anything about it. And if she asks you, sure, you know, don't lie to her. Just say, or you can say, I'm just kind of working on something. We'll talk about it Sunday. And then see what happens. That's great. I love that. Build a little suspense. Oh, we're going to yeah. talk Sunday? That's new too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> really? You realize it's still football season, don't you? <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. And guys, I'll, th I'll throw an extra one out there. Check out Dr. Kim Kimberling's podcast. Also, he's got some really, really good podcasts and he's got some five and seven minute ones out there that are easy and bite-sized for you to just, you know, insert into your day whenever you want. So uh, it's really, really good. Uh, if you like this Thank podcast, you. you'll like his as well. Yeah. We have a lot of fun with it. I'm talking I about some hard things. Yes. And fun things. And that's something you're, you're humorous. You were funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, you know, 
I, you know, I think uh, God gave us laughter. I think a lot of times, you know, there's a picture that was in our, in our Sunday school room growing up and it was called Jesus laughing. And I think that was the image I wanted of Jesus. It was him just laughing. And I thought, of course he laughs. Of, of course, course he laughs. Of course God laughs. So yeah, humor is, is a great neutralizer and it's, I don't know, it just makes things fun. So yeah. Sometimes Excellent. my family gets tired of my humor, honestly, but I'm not on the people that just come and watch us. They, I guess I haven't uh, done too much with them yet. So they still like it. <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming on with us today. Look forward to having you back again someday and just love your material so much. And I hope my audience dives in just like I have. Oh, thanks, Dan. It was an honor to be here. It's fun talking to you. You have a great show. So excited for you and what you're doing and how you're cha helping change men's lives. And, and that's what it's all about. We're all in this fight together to help people have the lives that God has for them, whether it's individually or marriage, as a husband, father, whatever it is. And it's fun to connect with someone else that has the passion like that. Ah, uh, well, thank you so much. All right. God bless. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. I hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, Thanks for blessing all of us, and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.